here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number, 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. Three hours from now, the president will begin his uh, address to the nation on uh, securing the border and the so-called government shutdown. We're told it's 8, 10, 12 minutes. I have no idea. We shall see. I'm hoping and I'm believing that they will maximize the time. You should be in no hurry. And the uh, Beavis and Butthead team of Schumer and Pelosi <laughs> uh, will be giving a response. And I think they should be given five hours. I think that would be great. Well, we're going to take a little time on this issue again today, as I've been digging and researching. Because this change of position by the Democrats, by the left, by the media, is really quite remarkable. They don't apologize for their past positions. They don't explain their past positions. They just flipped from wanting to secure the border, from wanting to protect American uh, workers, to wanting an open border, and wanting to give citizenship to foreigners almost as soon as they hit our territory. You know, this issue of immigration wasn't always a divisive issue. The Republicans haven't changed, for the most part. The Democrats have changed, for the most part. And they've been radicalized on this issue, and really in the last decade or so. So what has caused this? Well, I decided, let me go to a left-wing guy, who I'm no great fan of in any respect, Peter Beinart, who wrote in The Atlantic, a left-wing magazine, a little over a year ago, how the Democrats lost their way on immigration. That's the title of his piece. And I said, all right, what the hell? Let me take three minutes and read it. Well, I read it. And there are parts of it that I want to share with you because this is what we're dealing with. And he points out a decade ago, liberals publicly questioned immigration in ways that would shock many progressives today. In 2005, a left-leaning blogger wrote, Illegal immigration wreaks havoc economically, socially, and culturally, makes a mockery of the rule of law, and is a disgraceful, is, and is disgraceful just on basic fairness grounds alone. In 2006, a liberal columnist wrote that immigration reduces the wages of domestic workers who compete with immigrants. And that the fiscal burden of low-wage immigrants is also pretty clear. His conclusion, we'll need to reduce the inflow of low-skill immigrants. That same year, a Democratic senator wrote, when I see Mexican flags waved at pro-immigration demonstrations, I sometimes feel a flush of patriotic resentment. When I'm forced to use a translator to communicate with the guy fixing my car, I feel a certain frustration. Who said that? That was Senator Barack Obama. Who was the blogger? Radical leftist Glenn Greenwald. Who was the columnist? Radical leftist Paul Krugman. That's not that long ago, folks. A little over a decade ago. 
So Beinart goes on. Prominent liberals didn't oppose immigration a decade ago. He says most acknowledged its benefits to America's economy and culture. They supported a path to citizenship for the undocumented. Still, they routinely asserted that low-skilled immigrants depressed the wages of low-skilled American workers and strained America's welfare state. And they were far more likely than liberals today, far more likely than liberals today, are to acknowledge that, as Krugman put it, immigration is an intensely painful topic because it places basic principles in conflict. This is incredible, isn't it? He goes on. Today, little of that ambivalence remains. In 2008, he points to the Democratic Party platform. The Democratic Party platform. So I pulled up the Democratic Party platform. And it's quite remarkable. And I like the Daily Caller's take on it. So let me move to that platform. Then we'll get back to this article. Stay with me. This is all very important as we... uh, prepare for the president's speech. I look back into the Democratic Party's official 2008, 10 years ago. Their 2008 platform on immigration shows just how far left its members have drifted in a decade. Under the immigration section of the Democratic platform in 28, the document entitled Renewing America's Promise, the Democratic National Committee criticizes the nation's quote-unquote broken immigration system, pledging in August 2008 that, quote, we cannot continue to allow people to enter the United States undetected, undocumented, and unchecked. The harsh language in the document continues, castigating those who, quote, enter our country's borders illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, quote. The terms of enforcement, the policy suggestions, mirror President Donald Trump's call for a wall covering part of the U.S.-Mexico border, and an increase in the amount of customs and border protection agents. The platform reads, and I quote, We need to secure our borders and support additional personnel, infrastructure, and technology on the border and at our ports of entry. We need additional customs and border patrol agents, equipped with better technology and real-time intelligence. We need to dismantle human smuggling organizations, combating the crime associated with this trade. The platform also seems to endorse E-Verify, a Department of Homeland Security program that allows employers to check if potential employees of legal status to work in the U.S., saying that the country needs, quote, to crack down on employers who hired undocumented immigrants, unquote, and that, quote, employers need a method to verify whether their employees are legally eligible to work in the United States. This is the Democrat platform of 2008. In the 2016 Democratic platform, there's no mention of greater enforcement, and the word tough is cut from the party's position on immigration enforcement, and even pledges an end to so-called raids. Further, the party no longer mentions any sort of structure on the border to deter unlawful entrance, and even recommends giving illegal immigrants access to government health care coverage. More on that in a minute. Now, I guess you and I and the rest of the American people who do not belong to the radical left in the Democrat Party or the media, we should genuflect, abandon all our principles, all our common sense, all of our reasoning ability, the way these people have on the left, and just knee-jerk in their direction. But we choose not to. We choose not to. 
Now let's go back to this Beinart piece last year in The Atlantic. A decade or two ago, says Jason Furman, a former chairman of President Obama's Council of Economic Advisors, Democrats were divided on immigration. Now, everyone agrees and is passionate and thinks very little about any potential downsides. Well, how can this be, Beinart asks. Well, I'm not going to read the whole article, but I'll get to the gist of it. He says, the larger explanation is political. Political. Not compassionate. Not humane. Political. Between 2008 and 2016, Democrats became more and more confident that the country's growing Latino population gave the party an electoral edge. This is a liberal Democrat. To win the presidency, Democrats convinced themselves they didn't need to reassure white people skeptical of immigration so long as they turned out their Latino base. So in other words, he may be doing this unwittingly. I'm sure he would deny it. It's the Democrats who are the racists. It's the Democrats through identity politics. We're pushing us in this position of open borders. It's the Democrats who are balkanizing the country, treating quote-unquote white people one way, Latinos another way. It's a disgrace. It goes on. The fastest-growing sector of the American electorate stampeded toward the Democrats this November, Salon declared after Obama's 2008 win. If that pattern continues, the GOP is doomed to 40 years of wandering in a desert. And that, ladies and gentlemen, explains... Everything you need to know about why the Democrats, they put party first, country second, and are absolutely prepared to eliminate national sovereignty. It's all about power, has always been about power. Acquiring it, maintaining it, and keeping it forever if possible. That's what they've turned our immigration policy into. As a field day for Democrats. It goes on. As the Democrats grew more reliant on Latino votes, they were more influenced by pro-immigrant activism. While Obama was running for re-election, immigrants' rights advocates launched protests against the administration's deportation practices. These protests culminated in June 2012 in a sit-in at an Obama campaign office in Denver. Ten days later, ten days later, the administration announced it would defer the deportation of Illegal aliens who had arrived in the U.S. before the age of 16 and met various other criteria. We call this DACA. Obama, the New York Times noted, was facing growing pressure from Latino leaders and Democrats who warned that because of his harsh immigration enforcement, his support was lagging among Latinos who could be crucial voters in his race for re-election. This is a cynical scheme what the Democrats have done to this country in immigration. Now there's more to this, to this Beinart piece, again, a liberal writing and a liberal outlet, The Atlantic, and I want to get back to it because it's very, very important. So stick with us. I'll be right back. Mark in. Our nation's oldest colleges were founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. But the vast majority of them have abandoned their missions. 
Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. Thankfully, none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844, this is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Hillsdale.edu. Actually, several weeks ago on social media, but yesterday when I was on radio, that we should have 10 years of Nancy and Mr. Pelosi's tax records released has apparently been catching on, I'm told, as well as Schumer's, as a matter of fact, as well as every member of Congress. We want 10 years of their tax returns. You know, they're not required to give them up. I'd like to see her tax returns, wouldn't you? Let's continue with this piece. It's important, and I may have to carry it on through the bottom of the hour. There's a whole lot to get to today, but we'll get there. We're in no rush. We do radio a little differently here. So alongside pressure, Beinhardt writes, the liberal, Peter Beinhardt, in the liberal uh, outlet called it The Atlantic, alongside pressure from pro-immigrant activists came pressure from corporate America, especially the Democrat-aligned tech industry, and I would argue the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism, which uses the H-1B visa program to import workers. In 2010, New York Mayor Michael Bloomberg, who wants to be president, by the way, along with the CEOs of companies including Hewlett-Packard, Boeing, Disney, and News Corporation, and I might add the radical libertarian, the Koch brothers, who are now fully out of the closet. Anyway, they formed New American Economy to advocate for business-friendly immigration policies. Three years later, Mark Zuckerberg and Bill Gates helped found FWD.us to promote a similar agenda. So these massive international corporations run by billionaires for the most part, as well as these Latino front groups, as well as the hard left and the Democrat Party, because they see votes, have come together against you. He goes on, this combination of Latino and corporate activism made it perilous for Democrats to discuss immigration's costs. As Bernie Sanders learned the hard way in July 2015, two months after officially announcing his candidacy for president, Sanders was interviewed by Ezra Klein, the editor-in-chief of Vox, another left-wing site. Klein asked whether in order to fight global poverty, the U.S. should consider sharply raising the level of immigration we permit even up to a level of open borders, which, of course, is their position now. Sanders reacted with horror at the time, this 2015. That's a Koch brothers proposal, he scoffed. He went on to insist that the, quote, right-wing people in this country would love an open border policy. What an idiot Sanders is. Bring in all kinds of people 
who work for $2 or $3 an hour. That would be great for them. I don't believe in that. I think we have to raise wages in this country. Now, that used to be the position of America's labor unions and the AFL-CIO. It used to be the immigration of the a position of the immigration lobby. It was the position of Ralph Abernathy, who had been Martin Luther King's right-hand man. It was the position of Cesar Chavez, of the Democrat Party, but not anymore. Sanders came under immediate attack. Vox's Dylan Matthews declared that his fear of immigrant labor is ugly and wrongheaded. The president of FWD.us, remember? Gates and Zuckerberg set it up. Accused Sanders of the sort of backward-looking thinking that progressives have rightly moved away from in the past years. Think Progress published a blog post titled Why Immigration is the Whole in Bernie Sanders' Progressive Agenda. The senator, had argued, was supporting the idea that immigrants coming to the U.S. are taking jobs and hurting the economy, a theory that has been proven incorrect. They write. Sanders stopped emphasizing immigration's costs by January 2016, FWD. U.S.'s policy director noted with satisfaction that he had, quote, evolved on this issue. But is the claim that immigrants coming to the U.S. are taking jobs, has that actually been proved incorrect? A decade ago, liberals weren't so sure. In 2006, Krugman wrote that America was experiencing, quote, large increases in the number of low-skilled workers relative to other inputs in production, so it's inevitable that this means a fall in wages. It's called supply and demand, folks. It's hard to imagine a prominent liberal columnist writing that sentence today. To the contrary, progressive commentators now routinely claim that there's a near consensus among economists on immigrants' benefits. Now, I'll get on to this in a second because that's not true. But there's always been this contradictory position on the left, or at least in recent days, recent years. They demand a $15 minimum wage, and yet they know with illegal immigrants coming into this country, as Sanders uh, lurched into and unwittingly stated. Illegal aliens get a couple bucks an hour under the table. So Nancy Pelosi supports both positions. Why? They care about consistency. It's about power. According to a comprehensive new report, writes Beinart, by the National Academies of Sciences, Engineering, and Medicine, groups comparable to immigrants in terms of their skill may experience a wage reduction as a result of immigration-induced increases in labor supply. But academics sometimes de-emphasize this wage reduction because, like liberal journalists and politicians, they face pressures to support immigration. Now, we're going to get into this briefly. So, in other words, the journalists are cowed or ideologues, the academics are cowed or ideologues, the columnists and the politicians are cowed or ideologues, And this is how we get this insanity. I'll be right back. 175 years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. As we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its 175th year, but in all of that time, it still holds the same principles since 1844. The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, to recognize what is beautiful, and to hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth and peddle moral and cultural relativism, not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is my favorite college. 
because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. From its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 through charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Mark Levin, America's tyranny hunter. Call in now, 877-381-3811. Look, I wouldn't be spending a lot of time on this if I didn't think this was chock full of useful insight. Insight into what the left is doing to this country and why they're doing it and why the Democrat Party is really a soulless party. And that this immigration issue, like so-called climate change and so forth, they're all about fundamentally altering, transforming the country to accommodate the Democrats. You saw the crazy new governor in California. You see the crazy mayor in New York. I'll get to those later. You probably heard about them. Many of the immigration scholars, writes Beinhardt, regularly cited in the press, have worked for, listen, or received funding from pro-immigration businesses and associations. So, in other words, you're getting partisan propaganda. Consider, for instance, Giovanni Perry, an economist at UC Davis whose name pops up and a lot in liberal commentary and the virtues of immigration. A 2015 New York Times Magazine essay titled Debunking the Myth of the Job-Stealing Immigrant declared that Perry, whom it called the leading scholar on how nations respond to immigration, had shown that immigrants tend to complement rather than compete against the existing wor- workforce. Perry is indeed a respected scholar, but Microsoft has funded some of his research into high-skilled immigration. And New American Economy paid to help him turn his research into a 2014 policy paper decrying limitations of the H-1B visa program. So you have these leftists and their paid-for experts and scholars pushing this agenda with the media that's more than receptive to have it because the media uh, collectively is the mouthpiece of the progressive movement. Still, the prevalence of corporate funding can subtly influence which questions economists ask and which ones they don't. Perry says grants like those from Microsoft and the New American Economy are neither large nor crucial to his work and that they don't determine the direction of my academic research. Barnard goes on, academics face cultural pressures too. In his book Exodus, Paul Collier, an economist at the University of Oxford, claims that in their desperate desire not to give succor, that is, to nativist bigots, social, this is his writing, social scientists have strained every muscle to show that migration is good for everyone. George Borjas of Harvard, this is a brilliant man, argues that since he began studying immigration in the 1980s, his fellow economists have grown far less tolerant of research that emphasizes its costs. There is, he told me, quote, a lot of self-censorship among young social scientists. Because Borjas is an immigration skeptic, some might discount his perspective. But when I asked Donald Davis, a Columbia University economist, 
takes a more favorable view of, of uh, immigration's economic ap- uh, impact rather about Borjas's claim. He made a similar point. He said, George and I come out on different sides of policy on immigration, but I agree that there are aspects of discussion in academia that don't get sort of full view if you come to the wrong conclusion. More and more, we're getting propaganda. The problem is that although economists differ about the extent of the damage, immigration hurts the Americans with whom immigrants compete. And since more than a quarter of America's recent immigrants lack even a high school diploma or its equivalent, immigration particularly hurts the least educated native workers, the very people who are already struggling the most. And this is the irony. Because the progressive Democrats, the journalists so-called, claim to look out for the little guy. The Democratic Socialists, like the clown from New York and the clown from Minnesota and the clown from Michigan, all claim to look out for the little guy. They want a 70% hit, a 90% hit, if possible, on people who earn more than they think they should earn. But they are crushing, ladies and gentlemen, the working poor or low-skilled in this country. They are crushing them. They don't have compassion for these people. This is about power. Barnard goes on, America's immigration system, in other words, pits two of the groups liberals care about most, he writes, the native-born poor and the immigrant poor against each other. Not really. They're the ones who pit the illegal alien poor against the American citizen poor, and they always come out on the side of the illegal alien poor, don't they? Later, he says, and I'm ending it, liberals must take seriously Americans yearning for social cohesion. He's talking about assimilation. To promote both mass immigration and greater economic redistribution, they must convince more native-born white Americans that immigrants will not weaken the bonds of national identity. This means dusting off a concept many on the left currently hate. Assimilation. I talk about this endlessly. I've written about it a lot. Promoting assimilation need not mean expecting immigrants to abandon their culture, but it does mean breaking down the barriers that segregate them from the native born. And it means celebrating America's diversity less and its unity more. Well, the problem with that is balkanization, tribalization, identity politics. These are the hallmarks of the Democrat Party. So there's no way they're going to give that up. I'm... Providing this to you as a lead up to the president's speech. I'm providing this to you so you know how corrupt the media are, how corrupt the Democrat Party is, how corrupt their phony experts are. And so the president will give his speech. It's been trashed in advance. It'll be trashed afterwards. But you, you Levinites out there, you patriots out there, you Americans of all stripes, of all backgrounds, of all genitalia, whatever you do with your genitalia. You Americans out there, you need to sort this out. You need to know you're being fed propaganda by the media. Propaganda by phony experts. Propaganda by a Democrat party that doesn't give a damn about the American citizen or the American worker or, quite frankly, American small businesses. They've gotten their propaganda down. They've gotten their rhetoric down. They've gotten their language down. Their populist appeals. But they are frauds through and through. They are frauds through and through. 
Bill Clinton. I know we've played this before, but we got to do it again. Bill Clinton in 1995, when he was president of the United States. Cut 20, go. All Americans, not only in the states most heavily affected, but in every place in this country, are rightly disturbed by the large numbers of illegal aliens entering our country. The jobs they hold might otherwise be held by citizens or legal immigrants. The public service they use impose burdens on our taxpayers. Sounds like Donald Trump. Except for the dry mouth. Hillary Clinton, February 2003. Cut 21, go. We've got to do several things, and I am, you know, adamantly against illegal immigrants. I made this exception basically on humanitarian grounds because of the individual stories. But certainly we've got to do more at our borders, and people have to stop employing illegal immigrants. Come up to Westchester, go to Suffolk and Nassau counties, stand in the street corners on, in Brooklyn or the Bronx. You're going to see loads of people waiting to get picked up to go do yard work and construction work and domestic work. Now, why did the Clintons used to hold this position and they don't today? For the reasons Beinhardt says. Power. It doesn't favor the Democrats anymore. It doesn't favor big labor anymore. It doesn't favor big business, which gives a hell of a lot of money to the Democrats. The crony capitalists at the U.S. Chamber of Crony Capitalism. Barack Obama, December 2005, you see... It's during his administration, a few years in, where the flip-flop occurred. Cut 22 when he's a senator. Go ahead. We are a generous and welcoming people here in the United States, but those who enter the country illegally and those who employ them disrespect the rule of law, uh, and they are showing disregard for those who are following the law. Uh, We simply cannot allow people to pour into the United States undetected, undocumented, unchecked, and circumventing the line of people who are waiting patiently, diligently, and lawfully uh, to become immigrants in this country. By the way, I don't remember any of the budding cable hosts and anchors and so-called reporters questioning the Democrats when they took the exact position that Trump takes today. Do you? I don't remember them being called xenophobes. I don't remember them being called white supremacists, racists, nativists, restrictionists, and all the other ists. Do you? No, because the media are part of the conga line with Hollywood, with the Democrat Party, with big labor, with academia. They all dance the same way. They all sing the same chorus. And so, no, you never saw Barack Obama get grilled by any of these Sunday talk show hosts. Never. Or their spokes idiots. Or them. As recently as 2009, Chuck Schumer, who's now one of the generals for open borders, one of the generals who doesn't care about the safety of American citizens, one of the generals who encourages, who motivates, who incentivizes people to drag their little kids into this country. Chuck Schumer, 2009, go. 
People who enter the United States without our permission are illegal aliens, and illegal aliens should not be treated the same as people who entered the U.S. legally. And there's so much more. So much more. Everything I've just talked to you about in 45 minutes, minus commercials, maybe 30 minutes, or 35 minutes. What the Democrat Party's been doing, why they flipped, how they put their power ahead of the nation's security and well-being, how they lie about the economic consequences of unskilled labor pouring across our border, and the effect on poor, particularly minorities in our country. All self-censorship by the free press, the propaganda press, the contradictory positions held by Democrats as recently as 8, 9, 10 years ago, or Bernie Sanders as recently as a few years ago. They don't play them. They don't talk about them. They don't explain this flip, what took place, why. For the reasons I keep saying, the media in this country, collectively, is the mouthpiece of the Democrat Party. They are in sync on policy. They are in sync on ideology. So if the Democrat Party were to swing the other way today just as quickly, the media would be right there carrying their banners. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Have you ever thought about the word education? It means to lead forth. Now let me tell you about a place that leads forth. Hillsdale College. At Hillsdale, students are challenged to discover the right way forth by reading the greatest books by the greatest minds in history. And they learn the meaning of the three ultimate and related things, the good, the true, and the beautiful. Now, unfortunately, many of our nation's other colleges have lost their way. Locked in the grip of political correctness, they no longer allow free and open discourse. Rejecting the idea of objective truth, they peddle moral and cultural relativism. But as we begin a new year, we can be thankful that none of this applies to Hillsdale College. For almost two centuries, Hillsdale has remained true to its original mission, to provide sound learning of the kind essential to preserving civil and religious liberty and intelligent piety. As Hillsdale enters its 175th year, it remains committed to offering its students the very best liberal arts education in the land, as well as to extending its mission nationwide through its many outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. These include free online courses, the publication of its Free Speech Digest and Primus, its Kirby Center for Constitutional Studies and Citizenship in Washington, D.C., and its Barney Charter School Initiative, which is helping to establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Please visit Hillsdale. Go to hillsdale.edu to learn more. That's hillsdale.edu. Let's go to line one. Mike Sterling, Virginia, the great WABC. Go. Uh, WMAL. I uh, meant WMAL. Sorry about that. I yes. know you did. You're, uh, you're, I, I think that may be one of the first times I've caught you in a uh, big air. But anyway, this is the second time. Look, the... So far, you're rambling. Go ahead and impress the audience. Go ahead. Declaration of Independence talks about rights bestowed by our creator. One of them is the right to pursue happiness. Right. I cannot think of a more fundamental right than providing for your family. Uh, you, uh, you know, that's, you know, in my life, 
That's where I derive the most happiness. All right, Mike, from. let me educate you. The Declaration of Independence is our founding document. The Constitution is our governing document. Do you understand the difference? Of course I do. I'm a lawyer. So that well, but you don't. Because the Declaration of Independence doesn't say everybody in the world has a right to come into the United States. It says everybody in the world as an individual has certain human rights that come from God that no government can take or give. It doesn't say that individuals have a right to freely go into one country or another. Obviously, the framers knew this. That's not what they said in the Declaration of Independence. And it sure as hell isn't what they say in the Constitution. Which left the immigration up to the laws made by Congress. I, I totally understand that. And You're a I lawyer. I hope so. <laughs> and I don't think you're wrong, but I do think there's a conflict between. I, I mean, there's, I there's no conflict whatsoever. There's no conflict. Your, your thinking would require us to send the United States military all over the world to ensure that those unalienable rights given by God, by the laws of nature and nature's rights, that we would have to go today into China, go to war in China in order to liberate the people so that they could live in a nation where unalienable rights are respected. Now, you don't really believe that, do you? No, and I don't think you believe I believe No, I, I don't. I, I think, no, I think your point's illogical. It's why we have a constitution. We have a founding document that lays out the fundamental principles of why we fought a war for independence, based much on Locke and Montesquieu and so forth, and the Western Enlightenment. And then we have a founding document governing document called the Constitution, which lays out in general terms and in some cases specific terms how this federal government is going to function vis-a-vis the individual and the states. Two different things. Conflict, right? What's that? Conflict. No, they're not in conflict. conflict. No, they're not in conflict. The Constitution isn't extraterritorial. The framers were not extraterritorial. There's no conflict whatsoever. You guys on the left, here's the conflict. You believe in human rights, right? Absolutely. But do you think we should be in Syria or out of Syria? I don't know enough. Oh, you don't know enough. Do you think we should go to war with Cuba? I'm sorry? Do you think we should go to war with Cuba? Absolutely not. To liberate the people in Cuba? I I don't think they're clamoring for it, and I don't think there's enough going well, on Well, how would you know if they're clamoring for it or not? It's a police state. But if we thought they were clamoring for it, should we? Visited there. They, they all said they came back very All right, here's the, the problem and the reason why you're, you're, you're mumbling around. We are a nation state. We've explained what our country is supposed to be based on. It is our founding that is talked about in the Declaration, as well as the belief, the fundamental principles and beliefs written by Aristotle, Cicero, Sidney, Locke, Montesquieu, somewhat Burke. Somewhat Smith, these men put together what they thought was a, a nation that was truly unique. And they explained to the world why they did it. And they encouraged the world to do the same thing. But that doesn't mean they say, you know what, we're going to have open borders and anybody can come here whenever they want. And uh, we don't necessarily know who you are. And while you're at it, you can bring your kids. There's no support for any of that except in the modern mind of the modern progressive and the modern Democrat. Very destructive, very anti-American history, and I would argue, very un-American. We'll be right back. He's here. 
Come from the underground command post. Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Mark Levin here, our number 877-381-3811, 877-381-3811. I hope you heard that conversation with the last caller, Mike, who was actually a pretty good caller and um, from a liberal perspective. And he said, look, the Declaration of Independence talks about unalienable rights, the right for individuals to pursue life, liberty, and happiness. So... Why are we stopping people from coming into this country? That's our Declaration of Independence. And this is a fundamental misunderstanding. The Declaration of Independence, a declaration by the colonies, was explaining why they were going to go to war with the monarchy of the British Empire, the most powerful military force on the face of the earth. Really, the Revolutionary War had started in 1775, it was triggered by the Stamp Act, among other things, but we don't need to get into that. And they made a declaration to each other, to their fellow citizens. Remember, it wasn't a united country yet, and to the world as to why they were doing what they were doing. And if you read, and you're not certainly required to, the very beginning of rediscovering Americanism and the tyranny of progressivism, I have a letter in there where Jefferson is purportedly called out by this writer. The writer says, hey, look, you didn't invent these ideas. You know, you write this Declaration of Independence, you draft it, and, and these ideas, they're not unique to you. And Jefferson says, obviously I paraphrase, we all know that. I didn't invent this idea of natural law, natural rights. I didn't invent this idea of unalienable rights. And he specifically cites, among others, Aristotle, Cicero, Sidney, Locke. Locke, who was the most widely read philosopher during the revolutionary period, even among, you know, hardworking individuals, farmers and others. Or it was read to them. Because a sizable number were illiterate as well. And they actually discuss these things in pamphlets. They discuss these things at pubs. It was a remarkable time in human history. Unalienable rights. Every human being, every individual is born with them. Granted by God, by no government. A statement of fact. If in fact you believe in these truisms, which I do. Okay. Now. You're founding this country, you win the Revolutionary War, you have the Articles of Confederation, they're not working very well. The country's broke and it's getting broker. Colonies, now states, are fighting with each other. They're taxing commerce in a way that makes it impossible to compete with the British, the French, and the Germans, among others. And they meet in Philadelphia to fix the Articles of Confederation. And in the end... They scrap the Articles of Confederation. They come up with a new constitution, which has to be ratified. 
by at least nine of the 13 colonies. And it is. Ultimately, it's ratified by all of them. Rhode Island being the last holdout. And what are they doing with this Constitution? I mean, they have the Declaration of Independence. Well, the Declaration of Independence is not a governing document. It's a statement of human rights. It's also a statement of how, in very general terms, people should be treated by their government. Representation, as an example. So when they met in Philadelphia, they had to get down to the work of trying to develop this government. They looked around the world. They looked at different governments. They looked at history. They were very well read, these men. They didn't want an all-powerful centralized government, much of which we have today, thanks to the progressives. The states were never going to ratify a constitution that seized their authority, which, of course, has been done since. And, of course, the Declaration of Independence is always hanging out there as, as a reminder, and I would argue that that's what the Ninth Amendment is all about. So you have federalism, you have mobility, you have separation of powers, you have representative government, a republic, not a pure democracy. For you populists out there, no, 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 no. Property rights are property rights, unalienable rights are unalienable rights, and it doesn't matter how many people agree with you. Those are your rights given to you by God. So we have this Constitution, and it's interesting to hear a liberal bring this up, because they are forever, the progressives, trashing the Constitution. Their forebearers, John Dewey, Woodrow Wilson, so many others. Their progressive intellectuals trash the Constitution and also, by the way, trash the Declaration of Independence. Because the Declaration of Independence, which provides the philosophical foundation for the Constitution and what follows... And the Constitution itself do what? They're way too confining for the progressives. They've got all kinds of plans, all kinds of taxes, redistribution of wealth, all kinds of social engineering. Of course, they claim to be for egalitarianism and social activism. Well, none of that is permitted under the Constitution. The federal government has certain specific powers, and it has to live within those borders. And Wilson complained about it, and Dewey complained about it. They all complained about it. And they said, we got to change this. And how do you change it? First, they said through the courts. We need to put masterminds who agree with us on the courts. Why? Because the courts are the least democratic. They're the least representative of the people, the three branches of government. And while they go on and on about the people deserve this, and the poor deserve that, and the masses and so forth, that is camouflage for what they really believe in, this centralized iron fist. And bringing it up to today, when the people don't agree with you, what do you do? You change the people. And that's what open borders and illegal immigration is all about. Ultimately, votes, legalization, through amnesty, eventual citizenship. We've had Cycle after cycle of amnesty leading to legalization, leading to citizenship. Cycle after cycle over the last 50 to 60 years, which has resulted in what? 
Many red states becoming purple, many purple states becoming blue, and many blue states becoming even bluer. It's had the effect, the intended effect. Nancy Pelosi, Schumer, and their ilk, they're not about compassion. They're not about humanity. They give a damn about an illegal alien who comes here and can't speak English, who's illiterate, coming here from Guatemala or Bolivia or wherever. They don't care about that person. As a person, they care about that person as a voter. As a voter. 10 years ago, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, they opposed the very arguments they're making today. Nobody made the arguments they're making today. They were so insane. Nobody. You have a governor in California, a moron, former mayor of San Francisco, former lieutenant governor. The guy looks like a model for an underwear commercial. Maybe even women's underwear. I don't know. But out there, they shouldn't give much of a damn either way. California, do we have the audio of this? I think we do. Let's go to 16. This guy's name is Kevin Newsom. Gavin Newsom, rather. Gavin, yeah. I know. A complete, utter putz. Go ahead. Together, let us build a, a house stronger than the coming storms, yet open to the world. A house that... Wow, lies. what a Robert Frost. What a poet. As he giggles through his speech. Go ahead. Who need it and sanctuary to all who seek it. We're sanctuary for all who seek it. Sanctuary for all who seek it. This damn government in California damn well better not come to the federal well and ask to be bailed out. Because that state is going to go bankrupt. They can't stop spending. They can't stop borrowing. They have the highest taxes in the country. They regulate the hell out of productive people and small businesses. They attack your civil liberties. When it comes to your right of private property, when it comes to your right to protect yourself with a weapon. But illegal aliens can do no wrong. A sanctuary state. A one-party state where now they've even changed the voting system. As if it's the old Soviet Union. Or the current Russia. Or the current China. It's a disgrace. This magnificent state with its magnificent resources. A state that gave us Ronald Reagan. A state that elected Duke Majin. A state that elected Pete Wilson. Now they elect this schmo. You know, uh, uh, we welcome everybody. Yes, we do. Uh, sanctuary to all who seek it. Are you putz? What about the citizens of California? Of course, half of them are nuts. They vote Democrat no matter what. But what, what about the other half that are still sane? You get dragged along into this abyss. There's not a rational, objective economist on the face of the earth who believes a state can withstand this kind of economic pressure, sanctuary to all who seek it. He's not going to be trashed by the media. He'll be loved over there at MSLSD. He'll be loved by the constipated news network. He'll be getting some award from the Kennedy Foundation for human rights or whatever. 
and the rest of the country should be dragged in this direction. This is where Nancy Pelosi comes from. And her sanctuary city. Where people defecate on the streets. Where they have tents. Where there's syringes. A once beautiful, livable city. We should do that to the entire country, you see. Then we have this idiot mayor of New York City. Bill DeCamio. And he is. This is from, uh, what is it? NBC New York. Drudge has a very good uh, listing of these various links on his page. New York City will begin guaranteeing comprehensive health care to every single resident, regardless of ability to pay or immigration status. You don't pay enough taxes in New York City. You don't have enough chaos in New York City. It's not health insurance, DeCamio assures us. It's the city paying for direct, comprehensive care for those who can't afford it or are undocumented. Now, this may sound like heresy, but if you live in New York City and you actually have a job and you pay taxes, you better figure out how to get the hell out of there. You have an absolute dyed-in-the-wall Marxist running your city. This guy is going to destroy your income stream. And I remember when New York City went bankrupt before and how it was bailed out by New York State. And I'm going to say it again. If New York City comes to the feds, that is the rest of the country, and wants to be bailed out, the answer better be no. Because some of these experiments in Marxism slash socialism slash progressivism, they need to die. They need to, they need to collapse. The whole country needs to see it. So the whole country doesn't follow. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. With a daily fake news dump pouring through your TV, mobile phones and computers, you may have missed some real news like the recent study in the journal Cell Metabolism. Scientists suspected a correlation between growing rates of obesity and processed foods, but what this study discovered was that these foods also appear to lead people to overeat. Here's the bottom line. You need fresh fruits and vegetables in your diet, which is why I recommend that you start taking Field of Greens by Brickhouse Nutrition. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. It helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. This is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, and you'll get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. You know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com, offer code LEVIN. Let us go to Jimmy, Brooklyn, New York, the great WABC. Go! Mark, you really do have a great show on the TV and on the radio. Thank you. you know, I agree with you about the American founding documents, how extremely important it is for Americans to know them, understand them, and defend them. But 
it's also extremely important to understand the enemy's founding documents and guiding documents. Mm -hmm. I'm telling you, the, the strategies of Antonio Gramsci, I could real quick, a couple of sentences, explain it. The prior way of communist revolution was relatively, <clears throat> excuse me, small group of communists take over a country. Then they have to imp uh, impose their force, uh, impose their view on the population through force and threat of force, and then spend a long time re-educating the population. Well, since the 60s, the communists implemented a plan. They wrote about it. They have courses on it. Every college has it. There's international organization. Very big movement. Antonio Gramsci. This strategy is you re-educate the people prior to the takeover. So what used to be considered crazy, radical, fringe thought like white privilege, like I have here, 1979, a communist booklet, Afro-American liberation. They're talking about white privilege here in 1979. We only heard it maybe in the last several years. So what used to be radical, crazy left here, the communists say, yesterday's left is today's center. Today's left will be tomorrow's center. So true, isn't it, in practice? It, it's exactly. Lane Kirkland used to head the AFL-CIO. Oh, I remember. Good liberal American, the guy that was supposed to replace him, Donahue, similar. They lost. The hardline got these unions now. Al Shanker was a New York City teachers union. He I remember. AFT. A patriotic American. Yes. No more of that. The communist, a lot of them just call themselves socialists. And, you know, people are going to say, you know, Jimmy, and I've known you a long time. You've called in over the years. They're going to say, oh, look at this, red baiting. Fact of the matter is, if you read and inform yourself, you will understand what Jimmy's saying. And uh, as I say, I've tried even in uh, Rediscovering Americanism, the early progressive intellectuals were very supportive of the Leninist revolution. John Dewey was very flattering of it. Um, others as well. They just thought this is really it's very, very important. Now, then Stalin comes in, you know, he's not doing it right. You know, he's a little too violent, that sort of thing. But the concept, they all come from the same place. They come from Hegelism, Marxism, Rousseauism. We know where this comes from, where the individual either surrenders voluntarily or is forced to surrender his or her individualism. And that everyone has to become part of this uh, amorphous state. And that's how you can really, really um, express your real individualism. This is how they write. This is what they say. This is what they mean. And when you have these low IQ, uninformed, in some cases unwitting, phony journalists who are really commentators, who go on and on the way they talk, they have no idea who and what they're spewing. And yet, it is very, very damaging to this country. Jimmy, I appreciate it, buddy. I'm sorry I have to go. We'll be right back. You're listening to Denali, the great one. The great one. And you can call in now, 877-381-3811. Tonight, Eastern Time out there on the Pacific Coast, KRLA land, KSFO land, and all the rest, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. at 6.30 p.m. your time. I'll be on the Fox News Channel. I'll be interviewed by uh, Sean Hannity about the president's speech. The president's speech 
is about an hour and a half from now, about two hours, I will be um, talking with Sean. Now, I have another piece of news for you that I think you're going to appreciate. Today's Levin TV, which is a very special Levin TV about immigration, about the budget, about the so-called shutdown, about the border, about the president's speech, the attacks on the president for giving a speech. That was the uh, those were the numerous subjects, all related, of course, on Levin TV today and uh, this evening. Uh, we put it in front of the paywall. You can go ahead and watch the entire program. Doesn't cost you a nickel. You go to Levin TV Facebook. You can go to Mark Levin Show Facebook. You can go to Mark Levin Show Twitter. And uh, we will have it on all three locations. Those of you who are not subscribers uh, to Levin TV and uh, Blaze TV, our new network, I would hope you'll watch this show, and I hope it will convince you to become a subscriber. You see, we're just getting started with the new year. And we've launched the brand new Blaze TV. This is a combination of platforms and technologies and, frankly, opportunities where we massively have increased our size. CRTV was quite large, and uh, we merged with with Blaze to become even bigger. And uh, to provide you with even more programming, we have now 30 solid conservatives who have shows. Many people who you've heard of, many people who are... Just absolutely outstanding. We have Eric Bowling. We have Phil Robertson. See, I start and now I'm going to get in trouble. We have Andrew Wilkow. We have, you go ahead and take a look at the list. Stephen Crowder. Some are younger than others. Some are older than others. Some are more experienced than others. Some are funnier than others. All kinds of personalities. All kinds of content. But fundamentally... Pro-American patriots. Pro-American patriots. Like you are. This entire digital TV network was created for you. To get around the so-called mainstream, which is left-wing media. To get around the old media. To make it possible for you to watch my program and others whenever you want. Whenever you want. You're in charge. You've invested in this network. You've invested in these programs. This is the future. This is why others are trying to catch up to us. We have the pioneers in this business. And we are growing. I'm not allowed to give you the number. It's proprietary. But we are a significant TV network. But we're a digital TV network. Which means you can watch us on smart TV. But you can also watch us on your iPhone or your Android, or your laptop, or your PC, or your Apple. You can watch us. I mean, there's so many platforms, I don't even know where to begin. But if you don't join us, there's nowhere to begin. And I really want you to check it out, because I think you're really going to like it. There's two easy ways to get started, and it's risk-free. You can go to our website, levintv.com, L-E-V-I-N-T-V.com and take a look. And I hope you will. I very much hope you will. Or give us a call on our toll-free line. 844-LEVIN-TV. That's 844-L-E-V-I-N-T-V. And I've been doing this now for three years. And some of you may be nervous. Well, are you going to trap? No. 
I've agreed to do this for another four and a half years. So I hope you'll join me if you're Levinite, if you like my books, if you like this radio program, if you like me on my Fox Sunday show. You're really going to love this. And I hope you'll join us. I do three shows a week on Levin TV. And then I also do my Fox show. So uh, I hope you'll join us again. We, we have this big, patriotic, pro-American community made up of people like you. Also, many of you have started with my program in March three years ago. And so your subscription will come up. I would like to encourage you to renew, to get in front of it and renew. Don't let it drop out because that's what will happen. So uh, we're only getting better. Our technology is getting better. We're giving you more and more variety. And a lot of people who you don't see on cable, you don't see on network, you don't see on satellite, but you know who they are, and they are really special people. They're very entertaining and substantive. We can't afford to buy a cable channel. We don't happen to have several billions of dollars. And this enterprise is very, very expensive. And we keep our prices way down. And yet our technology is cutting edge. There aren't really competitors out there, but there are others out there who are trying to do what we're doing. Stick with us. And no, I'm not picking on any one group or organization. The libs always try and create trouble. No, I'm not. No, I'm not. So I hope you'll join us one more time. 844-LEVIN-TV, 844-LEVIN-TV, L-E-V-I-N-TV, that is. Or go to levintv.com, levintv.com. Our show tonight on Levin TV is very important. So when we finished it just a few hours ago, I told our staff, put it in front of the paywall so the public can see it before the president's speech. So I hope you'll check it out one more time. It's at Levin TV Facebook. It's at Mark Levin Show Facebook and also at Mark Levin Show Twitter. You can check it out. All right. So the president's giving a speech in advance of giving his speech. The same wolf pack. The same wolf pack. That is the media. That tries to destroy this man from the moment they get up in the morning to the moment they go to sleep. Throughout their drunken stupor. Or getting high on pot or something else. They have Trump on their mind. How to destroy him. How to ruin him. And... Through him, you. They reject you. They reject your vote. They reject your, your viewpoints. So much for freedom of the press. What a joke. And so in advance of the president's speech, they do what propagandists do. They trash him. They trash the substance, even though they don't know what he's going to say. They're telling you that he's a liar, that the people who support him are liars. Pelosi's never a liar. They never, ever have used the word liar on Pelosi, on Schumer, on Obama and his Obamacare. Never once do they call leftists liars. Of course, they don't call them Hitler and Stalin and white supremacists and racists either. So the media today are filled with low lives, filled with left-wing low lives. And they've spent the entire day trying to brainwash a segment of our society that's quite susceptible to being brainwashed about what the president's going to say. Dismiss it. None of it matters. We don't have a crisis on the border. I mean, when we go to the Hamptons on the weekends, 
particularly in the summer. We don't see a crisis there. Or when we fly down to Palm Beach and we have a hell of a good time there, we don't see a crisis on the border there. Or when we're out in Hollywood having a grand old time, really Beverly Hills, Rodeo Drive, checking the things out, we don't see any problems on Rodeo Drive. These people are so unencumbered with reality, by reality. Then we have Joe Scarborough and Mika Scarborough. These are truly a couple of morons. Together, they are in the negative IQ territory. There's no crisis on the border, ladies and gentlemen. Everything's just fine. Cut eight, go. It can't give him 5, 10, 15 minutes no to build one lie on top of another lie. By the lie. way, uh, Mika Brzezinski, what, what's with the Tourette's-like response in the background? No way. <coughs> no way. <coughs> Go ahead. Another lie, especially when you know, I will say it again, that he is going to be telling nothing but lies and falsehoods, and he's going to be twisting reality. This is a pretty sick guy, don't you think? With his bulbous W.C. Fields nose and his uh, banjo-like appearances uh, from uh, Deliverance. And, of course, Mika... Her father, he was a real winner. Is big new? Oh, yeah. I won't get into that. I've got too much class. These people have none. Go ahead. Mika, my God. And at this point, I've got to say, how stupid are Americans who still believe... See that? See that? See that? You're stupid. You're stupid. He's smart. You're stupid. She's smart. You're racist, you're white supremacist, even those of you who aren't Caucasian. He's smart, you're stupid. He's smart, you're Nazi-like. He's smart, you're white supremacist. You must ask yourself, how can MSNBC, an appendage of NBC News, owned by Comcast, permit this kind of psychopath Angry, hateful, moronic psychopath. Morning in and morning out. Saying what he says. This is a news company. The purpose of news is to inform. This isn't guy informing. It's like watching a mental institution with a padded wall. They give the guy a desk, a microphone. They spray his hair so he looks like Woody the Woodpecker. And off he goes figuratively banging his head against the wall. Go ahead. Southern border. You got played as fools during the last two weeks of the campaign. Donald Trump's closing Hey, look, pal. Look, you creep. You had your head so far up Donald Trump's you-know-what during the campaign. You went to his first joint speech to Congress, jumping up and down, clapping like a seal. You met with him. You and that Mika of yours. And then all of a sudden you turned on him. You turned on him. You're a real psychopath, you creep. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. So you have... uh, 
one low IQ phony journalist after another going on and on about don't turn over the airwaves to Donald Trump. Don't turn over the airwaves to they all, uh, you know, chorus line, the Rockettes, as I call them. He's a liar, 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 liar. The lying media. The lying liberals. They really are despotic. They claim to support a free press and freedom of speech, of course, except when it comes to us and our representatives. So the president of the United States, duly elected, should not be able to speak to the American people through the networks. This is the position of Mika Brzezinski. This is the position of Joe Scarborough, the morning schmo. This is the position of most of the media. Censorship of the President of the United States. No, we should be listening to Don Lemon day in and day out. Or Jake Tapper day in and day out. Or Rachel Maddow day in and day out. So in other words, we need the media to approve whether or not the President of the United States gets to speak to the American people. Now, they never treated Barack Melhouse, Benito Obama this way. They never treated Bill Clinton, B.J., Bill Jefferson Clinton, B.J. Clinton. They never treated him this way. They never treated any Democrat this way. Franklin Roosevelt, big propagandist, big on censorship. No. The man who interned internment of Japanese Americans and Americans of Japanese descent. And by the way, I've been doing a lot of reading about him and that. I think he might have been a white supremacist. He had little tolerance for the Japanese, little tolerance for Jews. This is the great hero of the left. Franklin Roosevelt. The great hero of the left-wing tenured professors, the historians. Who was the top president of the... Franklin Roosevelt. Franklin Delano Roosevelt. 175 years. That's how long Hillsdale College has been around. And as we start a new year, Hillsdale's entering its 175th year. But in all that time, it still holds the same principles since 1844. Do you know who was president in 1844, Mr. Producer? James Polk. Anyway, who cares, right? The college was founded to teach students to seek truth, recognize what is beautiful, and hold up what is good. Most colleges have lost their way and are now in the grip of political correctness. They reject the idea of objective truth, much like our media, and peddle moral and cultural relativism. Not Hillsdale College. Hillsdale continues to provide sound learning essential to preserving civil and religious liberty. Hillsdale is one of my favorite colleges. In fact, it is my favorite college because it has stayed true to that mission and extends it nationwide on behalf of liberty. Now, from its free online courses to its free speech digest and primus, from training leaders at their Kirby Center in Washington, D.C., to helping establish classical K-12 charter schools nationwide, Hillsdale is educating Americans to restore our freedom. Pursuing truth and defending liberty since 1844. This is Hillsdale College. Check them out. 
LevinFreeHillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N FreeHillsdale.com. I want to apologize to my friend Glenn Beck. As you go through these lists of different shows that are on uh, Blaze TV, Levin TV, and 30 others, that's what happens. Uh, But that was an unintentional oversight. He's got a great show, too. And no, nobody called me to remind me. I said to Mr. Producer, oops. Oops. All right. Let's see if we have any more callers here that are... I prefer... I shouldn't say prefer. We move liberal callers to the front of the line. Why? Because that's what they're used to. Butting in the line. That's why they like illegal aliens. Butting in line. Uh, Let us go to Gale. Walnut Creek, California... The great K-R-L-A country. Go. Hi. Uh, actually, I'm not a liberal. I'm from California, but I'm a staunch conservative. I never said and you're a liberal. For, yeah. Thanks for taking my call. I was just telling yes. your... Um, All right. Don't worry what we, you tell the call, call screener. Tell me and the nation. Go ahead. Yes. We just took a family trip to L.A. down Highway 5. Our highways are littered with garbage. There's areas where it's like a dump site. Like trucks have just now let me slow you down. So let's get this straight. Is the city of Los Angeles closed? No. Is the county of Los Angeles closed? No. Is the state of California closed? No. And yet we have trash all over the place in California. Everywhere. Because the damn government's open and their policies. Go right ahead. We have one minute. Okay, and so we drove to uh, L.A., and uh, and you're, when you're in Hollywood, it's filth. It's homeless people. It's tents. It's garbage. It's litter. It's people begging. And a block from Rodeo Drive, it stops. And a what? And it's just, A block from Rodeo you, Drive. Block, yeah. Yeah, a block from Rodeo Drive, and then you go through Rodeo Drive, you see the Bentleys, the Rolls Royces, the people of course. shopping. And then you go into the hills of Beverly Hills. And the one thing that's in, that's common, it's clean, yes. and every home has what? Fences, walls. Fences, walls, swimming pools, butlers, maids. I'll be right back. Thank you. Do you wake up in the morning feeling sluggish and have to drag yourself through your day? Do you feel bloated, tired, and out of shape? Eating healthy is a habit, but most of us don't really know exactly what we should be eating, right? How much we should be eating, and how to properly prepare it. This is why I drink Field of Greens every morning before I start my day. Just one scoop of Field of Greens has a full serving of real, USDA-certified organic fruits and vegetables. Helps boost your immunity using antioxidants, prebiotics, and probiotics. Now this is real food, not some fake supplement lab powder. Just read the nutrition facts panel on the side. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com and get 15% off your first order with the offer code LEVIN. Now you know you're not going to start cooking fresh fruits and vegetables, so let's not pretend. Just get one full cup of fruits and one full cup of vegetables every day with Field of Greens. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouse, L-E-V-I-N.com, offer code LEVIN. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. 
everybody. Mark Levin here. One hour to the president's speech. Hour and a half till I show up on the Sean Hannity Show on the Fox News Channel, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Our number, 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. Last evening, ladies and gentlemen, I explained on this program why what the National Emergencies Act is. It is a uh, fairly comprehensive statute that was adopted by Congress, because it's a statute, after all, in 1976, signed into law by the president. So it's a law. And we went through some of the scenarios under the law, where a president can act unilaterally. Whether we like it or not, that's the law, that's the statute. And there's also an emergency provision in the Immigration and Naturalization Act of several decades ago, which defines what an emergency is under immigration uh, purposes. And so what you would need to do is marry those two in order to have a basis for the Attorney General of the United States, among others, asking the President of the United States to act on an emergency basis. Now, this act has been used many, many times by past presidents involving cutting off funds to Libya, cutting off funds to Iran, uh, in uh, natural disasters and other circumstances. Some presidents, including George W. Bush, have used it on multiple occasions. Multiple occasions. Donald Trump has never used it. But he could use it. Now, it can be challenged. The very statute allows both houses of Congress to pass a joint resolution, just a majority vote in the House and the Senate, to overturn what the president has done. So there's a check. And, of course, even though the courts should stay out of it because these are political battles, the courts probably wouldn't. So there's likely some form of judicial review. So it's not an act of a despot. A friend of mine, I heard him on TV say, earlier today. This isn't how our government's supposed to work. Well, I don't understand that. It's a statute. It's not a constitutional issue. The statute has been upheld in the past, and this statute's more confining than the pre-1976 statutes, which were uh, all over the place. And this presidential power has been used since before the Civil War, and it was used by Lincoln, and it was used by others with statutes uh, that had different names, earlier iterations. So it's not the president who decides he's going to act outside the Constitution. His lawyers are not stupid. His White House counsel is not stupid. He's a very smart man. His Justice Department's not stupid. They have some of the best lawyers in the country, when you don't count the special counsel's office. And they're all looking at it. Now, the president, it is reported, is not going to trigger it tonight. But what if he did? Is that the act of a despot following a congressional statute that was passed in 1976? Following the Immigration and Naturalization Act that was also passed by Congress? Now, people may disagree with the substance of what he does, or they may disagree with the policy. But he's the president of the United States. Under Article 2 of the Constitution, he is the executive branch. He's responsible for protecting the border. 
And if he thinks there's humanitarian issues that are very, very serious and getting worse, if he thinks there are national security issues based on the input he's getting from those experts, if he thinks there's chaos on the southern border and it's only going to get worse, those are justifications for acting. Now, we all wish he didn't have to do this, but I spent the first hour of this program underscoring what the problem is. And we've talked about it over the years. We have a Democrat party that has flipped. It has flipped from a party that supports securing the border, keeping illegal aliens out, defending big labor and their wages, to a party that supports open borders, 2 to $3 paid under the table to illegal aliens, that is sold out to international corporations in the Silicon Valley and so forth. But most of all, they have determined that their way to power is to change the electorate. And that's what they're doing. Well, the president of the United States has to deal with what's going on on the border, whether Mika Brzezinski likes it or not, whether Don Lemon likes it or not, where they sit on their asses in these buildings that are protected by security guards, nowhere near McAllen, Texas, nowhere near El Paso, Texas, nowhere near the southern border, none of them. They keep telling us what's going on in the southern border, but none of them go there. And so the president can, in fact, make a case for using the National Emergencies Act. It's not the National Security Act. It's the National Emergencies Act. And there are aspects of this law I do not like. It empowers a president, under certain limited circumstances, to seize private property, to seize businesses, to seize commodities, to direct businesses to produce other products, and so forth and so on. It even empowers a president under the most uh, extreme circumstances to impose martial law, for God's sakes. Now, this president's not suggesting any of that. Then I hear this Adam Schiff on TV. Really a dumb political hack. He says, look... When Harry Truman used this law, the Supreme Court said he couldn't use it to take control over the steel mills because what had happened is the, uh, is the uh, labor union struck and shut down these steel mills and was having a horrific impact on our, uh, on our country, on our economy, and it was an emergency, he felt. Now, what's the difference between that and the border? Anybody know? In this audience, everybody knows, except for the libs. Securing the border is uniquely and solely the responsibility of the federal government. That is our national border. It is our national sovereignty. It's a state border, too, in many, you know, various states, but it is the responsibility, first and foremost, of the federal government to protect this country, including securing our border. So it's not a matter of nationalizing a private company. It's a matter of executing your responsibilities under the law. Complying with the immigration laws. Nancy Pelosi comes from a a sanctuary city called San Francisco. She comes from a sanctuary state called California. And so she seeks to project those policies from her communities on the rest of the nation. The President of the United States says, no, I'm not going to permit it. And so Nancy Pelosi, under Article 1, 
the House of Representatives, which she controls like a John Gotti type. I guess, what should I call her? Joanne Gotti? Something like that. Now, she shouldn't mind. She's from San Francisco. I'll call her John Gotti. Uh, The Speaker of the House, Mrs. John Gotti, she decides we're going to pass spending bills, but we're not going to include one penny for our wall or a physical barrier. A position she'd never held before, that is, 15 years ago, that her party didn't hold in 2008, that Schumer didn't hold in 2009, that Obama didn't hold in 2005, that Hillary Clinton didn't hold in 2003, and so forth and so on. So they genuflect. They decide what's good for their party is good for their party. Screw the country. And then, because they're the best demagogues around, and they had their propaganda machine, the media, they talk about Donald Trump doesn't want to give people food stamps. Donald Trump doesn't mean Donald Trump doesn't want to do that. And of course, the media are all over it. It doesn't matter if it's a Republican president and Democrat Congress when the quote unquote poor government shuts down one tiny sector of it. It's the fault of the Republican. It doesn't matter if the Democrats, the president, the Republicans have the House and the Democrats have the Senate. It's the Republicans, the Republicans, the Republicans. And the Republicans, most of them, run scared. Well, now you have a president, at least for now, who's not running scared. He's going to speak to the American people. So why would a president, or why should the rest of us, fall into line behind a bunch of narcissistic, egomaniacal lame brains who do not have the best interests of this country at heart? That is the American people, the American citizen, the American worker the American law enforcement officer. They talk about all this money we spend on medical care, all this money. It's way too much, this money we spend on drugs and the money we spend on doctors and hospitals. What they don't tell you, of course, among other things, these facilities are flooded with illegal aliens because the Supreme Court decided, because it's so supreme, on its own, without any authority or legislation whatsoever, that if you're here illegally, you have a right to health care, at least emergency care, several decades ago. And they decided, and while we're at it, 1982, I believe it was, you have a right to a public education. What? Oh, yeah. You have a right to a public education. You have a right to health care. And under liberal Democrat administrations, now you have a right to food stamps. What? $200 billion a year, that's the estimate, spent on illegal aliens. But $5.7 billion to try and secure the border, that's a Chappaquiddick bridge too far for the Democrats. By the way, do you see this Democrat donor? What's his name, Buck or Burke or something or other? California? First, there's an African-American and young person who's in there. I don't know what's going on. He dies. And, of course, uh, the the investigators there, a Democrat or Republican, oh, Democrat, okay, well, nothing here. Must have had the Chappaquiddick police force there. Now another young African-American has died, and he, he has a note or something, a diary, and he puts in there that he was hooked on drugs as a result of this very wealthy Democrat donor. 
who apparently gave him his first needle or something. I don't know the, 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 the nomenclature, but you understand. Ed Buck. Ed Buck. And uh, absolutely incredible that he wasn't, well, maybe charged the first time. Well, now there's two. Now there's two. I notice a lot of Democrats aren't talking about this. Now, those are two American citizens who died at the hands of a Democrat, potentially, excuse me, potentially. I mean, they died, actually, but at the hands, potentially, of this individual. Who knows? If they were illegal aliens, we'd never hear the end of it. We'd never hear the end of it, would we? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Jim Acosta is not a reporter. He's a freak show, one-man freak show. And CNN's glad to have him because uh, that puts them on the radar. Uh, CNN is a conga line of freaks, phonies, frauds, and leftists, people who couldn't make it anywhere else. I mean, who the hell would hire Don Lemon? He's a lounge act. Who the hell would would hire... uh, What's her name? Camarada. I mean, she was at Fox. And now look where she is. Her career's in the dumpster. Who the hell would hire Jake Tapper? He was at ABC. Now he's at CNN. What's left? MSNBC? It's the only lower place you can... But you know, it's neck and neck to the bottom. But Kellyanne Conway. Jim Acosta confronted Kellyanne Conway with his usual... Buffoonery. He's a court gesture, this Jim Acosta. Mr. Producer, would you invite Jim Acosta? Haven't we tried to get this guy on the show before? Would you ask him to come on again, Mr. Tough Guy, Mr. Smart Guy, Mr. Uh, whatever he wants to call himself? Can we use the word Mr. anymore? The prefix Mr. Am I not allowed to use that anymore? Anyway, I shall use it. Kellyanne Conway just mops the floor with this clown, Jim Acosta. I want you to listen to this. It's only a minute long, but it's very entertaining. Cut 19, go. Can you promise that the president will tell the truth tonight? Will he tell the truth? Now stop right there. What kind of a stupid question is that? See, that's not intended to elicit an answer because it's not a legitimate question. That's why he's stuck at CNN. But I better be careful. Next thing you know, he'll be the host at Meet the Depressed because their standards are quite low as well. Let's take it from the top. Go. Can you promise that the president will tell the truth tonight? Will he tell the truth? Yes, Jim, and can you promise that you will? I will. The whole truth and nothing but the truth to help you, God? I'm not the one who has the alternative facts problem like you do. Will the president tell the truth? Make sure that goes viral. This is why, by the way, this is why I'm one of the only people around here who even gives you the time of day. Can you guarantee that the president's speech Let me get back in your face because you're such a smart ass most of the time, and I know you want this to go viral. A lot of these people don't like you. But let me just be respectful Hold on, and she's pointing to the other media. It's not just a lot of those people. Keep it where it is, Mr. Producer. The fact of the matter is the purpose of a free press, ladies and gentlemen, is not to give time to a Las Vegas lounge act like this. 
it's for us, we the people, to get legitimate information and present it to the people. It's called news. This guy is among many modern journalists, so-called, who are destroying this entire institution because they are absolutely egomaniacal. Go ahead. Tim, I explained that that was alternative information and additional facts, and I explained it many times. And don't you put it back in my face for all the corrections that your network needs to issue. I was on your network 25 or 26 times in 2018. I'm one of the last people here who even bothered to go on. And the disrespect that you showed to me personally, I'll just look past. Ma'am, um, I, I, no, no, and don't call me ma'am to, to make it. Ma'am, isn't that sexist? Are you allowed to use the word ma'am? I thought Barbara Boxer said no. But CNN's very proud of him. <clears throat> Matter of fact, all the news organizations are proud of him, even our favorite news organization. They all went to his defense in court when the president pulled his pass, even though he could still get a daily pass, even though there's still a phalanx of CNN phony journalists who appear daily at the uh, White House and during, at the various press conferences. They all rallied around Jim Acosta. That's like all lawyers rallying around... Uh, John Dean, who had his uh, law license uh, pulled, uh, who platter was convicted of some offense during Watergate, and now is a regular commentator on CNN or is it MSNBC? No standards whatsoever. No standards whatsoever. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I shall return. Radio's principal patriot. Call in now at 877-381-3811. I do have uh, one disagreement with Kelly Conway, which he calls Jim Acosta smartass. He's not a smartass. He's a dumbass. May I say with all due respect. And if I were one of the first Muslim women elected to the House of Representatives, but I couldn't be because of genitalia and my faith, but if I were, I might call him something else, Mr. Producer. And I assume Nancy Pelosi wouldn't have a problem with it, or most of the media wouldn't have a problem with it. Uh, but as I said earlier in the show, I have class. I would never lower myself to her. Every time you go online or use Wi-Fi, you're putting your personal information in danger. Unless you take precautions, a hacker can grab your passwords or credit card information in seconds. Now these hacks happen millions of times a day and the victims have their personal information exposed or identity stolen. So how can you protect yourself? I've got the answer, you know. The software I use is called ExpressVPN. ExpressVPN makes it super easy for anyone to stay secure online. That is to maintain your privacy. ExpressVPN hides your IP address and encrypts all of your data online. That means nobody, let me repeat, nobody, not the NSA, not the Russians, not the media, can see what you do on the Internet. Like I say, not even government spy agencies. The ExpressVPN app takes 90 seconds to set up on your computer or phone. I know, because I'm relatively computer illiterate, took me 90 seconds. You click a button and poof, you're protected. 
So if you want to protect yourself from hackers and spies, visit expressvpn.com slash mark. expressvpn.com slash mark. And you'll get this special offer. Three months free with a one-year package. This is what you've been looking for, or should have been, in order to protect your privacy online. That's expressvpn.com slash mark for three months free with a one-year package. Don't risk your online data any longer. I've got the answer. It's right here. ExpressVPN.com slash Mark. I would go there immediately. 90 seconds. And you will be protected. Give it to your family. They can be protected. Inform them as well. Well, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, Islamo-fascist who calls himself Erdogan has made it abundantly clear, as I've been warning on this program the president, the administration, and anybody who will listen. Erdogan is a pathological liar. He's a genocidal maniac. He's brutalized his opponents. And you you clowns in our so-called free press, pay attention. Because they don't have a free press there anymore. That's real hard work over there. You actually earn your pay. And so he's trying to... uh, destroy what Ataturk had created, and, and marvelously so, in Turkey. Erdogan is a serial liar. He's not to be trusted. Our president should not trust him. He's not a man of his word. He wants to eliminate the Kurds. Genocide for the Kurds. Now, some on the alt-right and some on the Code Pink Republican Party, Rand Paul, among others, they don't have a problem with this. It's not our battle. Just because the Kurds fought with us shoulder to shoulder against ISIS, just because the Kurds fought with us shoulder to shoulder in Iraq against Saddam Hussein, just because the Kurds are Muslims who have been targeted over and over again by the Syrians, by the Turks, by the Iranians, and by the Iraqi governments, it's not our problem. We don't need them anymore. Drop them like a hot potato. So what if they're wiped out? So what if their women are raped? So what if their children are imprisoned? Who cares? Now, ladies and gentlemen, I don't know about you, but I care. These people have been loyal to us. And we should leave them for this Islamo-fascist Erdogan? Or the Islamo-Nazis in Tehran? Or the fascist in Russia? Vladimir Putin or Hezbollah we should leave them for that you really believe that we're not having massive casualties in Syria we have very few casualties I don't even know of any casualties and I'm not trying to be uh, hard hearted in any respect nobody on the air supports the military as much as I do. But I do know this. If we have to go back into that area after we withdraw, then you're going to see big casualties. And I think the president, to some extent, has had second thoughts, certainly about an immediate pullout, so he's slowing it down. So our superb national security advisor, and this guy is great, John Bolton, the left hates him, the communists hate him, the fascists hate him, the Islamo-Nazis hate him, 
Our media hate them. Hate them. What a cabal, huh? Interesting they're all on the same side in this respect. So he gave a a short statement which reflects the president's position, although our media is trying to build a wedge between Bolton and, and Trump because that's what they do. And he said in so many words, well, I'll tell you exactly what he said in Jerusalem. We don't think the Turks ought to undertake military action that's not fully coordinated with and agreed to by the United States at a minimum so they don't endanger our troops, but also so they meet the president's requirement that the Syrian opposition forces that have fought with us are not endangered. He's talking about a number of them, but especially the Kurds. Well, Erdogan said, they're a great mistake. It's not possible for us to swallow the message Bolton gave from Israel. So he's a Jew hater. He's a Kurd hater. He's a freedom hater. This guy is a piece of crap. And I'd use another word, but I can't. This guy is a two-faced liar. And the president should not believe a thing he has to say. And so he wouldn't meet with Bolton. He wouldn't meet with Bolton, you see. It's too below him. He wouldn't meet with Bolton because Bolton knows a genocidal fascist subhuman when he sees one. And that's Erdogan, who has destroyed that magnificent country. Erdogan, who is now working closely with Putin and other of those uh, tyrannical types all around the world. He's a very dangerous man. He wants to organize the Muslims, too, against Israel. Organize the Muslims. He wants to throw all his journalists in prison, teachers who don't agree with him in prison, like this phony effort, he said, to topple his government. Then he rounds up tens of thousands of people who are obviously all in on the plot. Bloggers, teachers, police officers, anyone who ever said anything negative about him. We should tell this guy to stick it. Should keep our distance. Another piece that caught my attention that I think you might be interested in, this group CARE. This group CARE, unindicted co-conspirator organization, officially certified, was founded in Philadelphia at a meeting of Hamas representatives, effectively. It's a front group, in my opinion. And yet the media have mainstreamed care. Oh, they care. Now that's C-A-R-E. This is C-A-I-R. No, no, no. This is a Hamas-tied Council on American-Islamic Relations. I wish the idiot governor in Arizona, Ducey, I mean, he had a tremendous citizen he could have put in the United States Senate. Really. You want to talk about the first Muslim? We could have had the first Muslim senator, a Republican, in Zudi Jasser. Instead, he picks the woman who McConnell tells him to pick who lost an election. That's why I'll never respect this governor. Ever. So our friend Jordan Schachtel over at Conservative Review, and you ought to go over to Conservative Review. They have great articles every single day. Really good thought pieces. ConservativeReview.com. I'm no longer the... uh, Uh, editor-in-chief there. I stepped down from that a long time ago. Not because I don't like the site. Obviously, I do. 
because I can't do a thousand things. But it's run by wonderful people. Our buddy Jen and Rob and others, just terrific. You got Daniel Horowitz there. I shouldn't name names, but uh, Jordan's very good. He writes, the Hamas tied Council on American Islamic Relations Care, which is best known as an unindicted co-conspirator in the largest terrorism financing case in American history appears to have access to high-ranking Facebook and Twitter executives and has communicated with these individuals about who should be allowed to stay on their platforms, according to a Wall Street Journal report published today. Now, you ought to listen to this. The Wall Street Journal reports that care officials complained to Twitter about activist Laura Loomer citing a tweet in which she called the anti-Semitic representative Ilhan Omar one of the first Muslim women elected to the House, don't you know? Democrat Minnesota, an anti-Semite, which she is, and an apologist for Sharia law. Loomer was later permanently banned from Twitter. Zarha Billo, the executive director of CARE's San Francisco chapter, was quoted in the journal piece as an individual who appears to have special access to both Twitter and Facebook. The council doesn't often step in to advocate against other users, says executive director Zara Billo, but did so in the case of Ms. Loomer based on her previous comments about Muslims, the piece explains. Let me ask you, will CARE now go to Twitter and Facebook and complain? And complain about the Democrat from Michigan who's been spewing anti-Semitism from the moment she was elected and long before? Talib? Are they going to go to Twitter and Facebook and protest about Talib? Rashida Talib? A Palestinian heritage? No way. Don't hold your breath. You won't last very long. Yet the Wall Street Journal fails to note that Billow herself is a proven radical extremist. In tweets that remain publicly available, Billow has expressed her support for an Islamic caliphate and Sharia law. She also claims in multiple tweets that ISIS is on the same moral plane as American and Israeli soldiers, adding that our troops are engaged in terrorism. Billow is not an anomaly at CARE. Her views reflect the mainstream consensus within the organization, which over the years has attempted to transform itself from a clandestine Hamas funding operation to a mainstream Muslim civil rights organization. CARE directors have cheered terrorist attacks, publicly declared support for terrorist groups, and engage in regular bigotry against various religious, uh, uh, religions, ethnicities, women, homosexuals, and others. However, not everyone is buying into this supposed transformation. In 2014, the United Arab Emirates classified CARE as a terrorist organization, given its ties to the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm sure Joe Scarborough and Mika will be on top of this one tomorrow. Or maybe Jake Tapper. How about Don Lemon? Yeah, right. Several bills have been introduced in both houses of Congress designating the Muslim Brotherhood as a terrorist group. Remains unclear if care would be included, given its substantial ties to Hamas and, by extension, the Muslim Brotherhood. For years, Silicon Valley tech giants have been all too eager to look the other way and allow groups like CARE to use their platform to spread propaganda completely unchecked. Others have bought into the group's newfound civil rights group label and even funded CARE's advocacy. Now the social media titans appear to be consulting with CARE 
on the censoring and banning of unwanted individuals and groups. Now, talking of the same, the Democrat Party today blocked legislation that would allow states to boycott companies doing business with their states when those companies and organizations are involved in the boycott movement against the state of Israel. The Democrat Party, you know who blocked it? Chuck Schumer. What do you say about that, APAC? Why don't you grow a set for once? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Remember, in Los Angeles, as you know, I'm on KRLA. 870 The Answer, and we run the program live, 3 to 6 p.m. out there. We are live and national, and we appreciate that. It's not like these other stations out there that are tape delayed. Don't forget the president speaks in seven or eight minutes. Not that you will. And don't forget this. If you're going to watch coverage after the fact, put on Fox. I'll be on there around 9.30 Eastern Time, 6.30 Pacific, uh, talking to my buddy Hannity. Why drive yourself nuts? Also remember, you can go in front of our paywall at Levin TV and watch today's entire program. And I think you'll find it really, really bracing. I use the word bracing. Entertaining and obviously substantive. And you can see how we do things on Levin TV. See if you like it and you want to join up with us. I hope you will. And those who have subscriptions, I hope you'll continue. Now, I don't know about you, but watching the news and fighting the onslaught of fake news takes up a lot of mental and physical energy. You need to stay sharp. And you know what? I've come to learn it starts by eating right. If getting healthy was one of your resolutions, I have an easy, effective way, and it only takes a minute out of your day. Field of Greens. Hello, Field of Greens. This beats trying to eat enough fruits and vegetables by a mile. Field of Greens is a real superfood, not like the fake health powders made up of extracts. This is real food, and the difference can be seen right on the bottle. It has a nutrition facts panel, not supplemental facts. Now, one scoop of Field of Greens is a full serving of real USDA organic fruits and vegetables complete with antioxidants. One scoop of this daily will power you with clean, real energy that fuels a healthier and happier lifestyle. I'm not kidding about this because I use this now. Go to BrickHouseLevin.com, BrickHouseLevin.com and take advantage of this limited time offer. 15% off your first order with the promo code LEVIN, L-E-V-I-N. Always remember that. BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. There's my name twice. Again, that's BrickHouseLevin.com, promo code LEVIN. I want to strongly encourage you to try this out because I think you'll see the difference. I really do. And it's the real stuff. It's the real stuff. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm sure you've been asked on radio and TV, what do you think the president should say? What do you think the president should say? The president's going to speak, they say, I don't know if it's a fact, for eight minutes. So he's not going to say everything that everybody thinks he should have said. The question for me is not what should the president say. He's already said it. I really believe him. I, I embrace what he's saying. The question should be, how should the media react? It is they who deserve to be on the hot seat. It is they who deserve to be condemned. We shouldn't be even in this position, ladies and gentlemen. We shouldn't have to be fighting for what is rational, for what's in the nation's best interest. So you and I together now will watch our president, our president, give his speech. And then I hope to see you on the Fox News channel at 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And then we'll come back here tomorrow. We'll all discuss it together. God bless each and every one of you. Keep your chin up. I shall return. <laughs>